Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I thank you, Father, that you did not give us your word to simply to collect dust on a table in our living room, but you gave us your word as a lamp, as a place to follow. I thank you that you gave us a word as strength and as a sword and milk to drink and meat to eat. I thank you that Jesus, it says in the beginning, was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So I pray this morning as we dig into the word that you would be made famous in our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. Good morning. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Who is here on Father's Day? Anybody was here on Father's Day? Bop, 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 bop. Happy Father's Month to y'all. Fathers, we, we deserve, I don't know, we deserve a month, but that just might be me because I'm a dad. But, amen. But last week we had a point, Ken, and this point we talked about, it was talking about the legacy of a father, right? Something to pass down. And I couldn't shake it this morning as I was studying about what we were going to preach about, what we were going to teach about, what we were going to talk about this morning. Lou and Hazel, it is so good to see you all this morning. I love you guys. We were talking about it, and I, and I began to think about Elijah and Elisha, how Elisha stops Elijah, and, and, and they're standing together, and Elisha looks at Elisha and says, what do you want from me when I leave? What, what do you want? And he says, I want a double portion of your spirit i mean he said i want a double portion of your anointing he said this is a very hard thing to ask but if you're with me you'll get it so we begin to see just a fun note i believe there's seven recorded miracles of elijah's life and elisha guess how many recorded miracles there are 14. Isn't that pretty amazing? Just the double of exactly the double anointing. Do I believe there's probably more? Yeah, but I love the word, how it just speaks of what's going on. And I, and I sit there, and I, and I think of what I begin to read, and I think that if I didn't study, and I didn't get in my word, and didn't see what the word said, there would be so much I would miss just reading it over, not realizing the power of what I've read. If you've ever gone to a wedding and sat in a wedding and didn't realize covenant was happening, it's possible to sit in a wedding and not realize the power of what's happening in front of you, right? So as I get in the Word, like just example, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 21 through 22. You don't have to turn there because we got somewhere I'm going to have you turn in a minute. And it says, now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God, who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And I read that and I go, man, the word anointed grew up. It, it stuck out to me. If you grew up in church, has anybody ever tell you, man, there's an anointing on your life and you had no clue what they were talking about? Oh, I, I, I feel, I sense the anointing on your life. And you're like, that's cool. I have no clue what you're talking about. And so often what happens is we have these powerful words like anointing in the word, but we don't know what they mean. And we just get Christian goosebumps not realizing there's actual power in that word. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. See, some of you were didn't even realize if you've ever read the story of the power of anointing, and you didn't even realize it. Elisha grabs Elijah's mantle, 
who he saw strike the water and it splits. And the anointing was still so much on the mantle and upon what was handed to Elisha, he struck the water and it split again. But not only just for Elijah, does anybody know what happened when Elisha died? His bones. There was someone getting buried. Elisha is dead in his tomb. And he's so dead that the bones are there. Did you realize it didn't even say the flesh? It said the bones were there. And somebody was getting ready to bury someone, and there was raiders coming down the road. So they just chunked him in the tomb. And the minute the body touched the bones of Elisha, he rose back up. There was such an anointing, such a power of God on the bones, the water, on the bones of Elisha that it still had the power to raise up. Some of us are talking about the word anointed and the anointing upon your life, not realizing that there was such an anointing on Elisha's bones, it raised up somebody from dead far after they were gone. See, this is where I first thought my sermon was going to go when I wrote it. I, 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 thought, I thought, Ken, it was going to be about what are you seeking on the anointing of God that will last longer than you live? What are you sowing into? What are the things you're planting? What is the anointing in your life that's going to preach longer than your lungs can preach? What's the anointing in your life that's going to speak longer than your lungs can speak? What's the anointing in your life longer than your hands can build? And that's what I thought. And I said, man, God, that's good. But he said, that's not what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the anointing because I feel like Daniel... Maybe some people in the parking lot hear the word anointing but have no clue what it means. And as me as your pastor, it's important that I teach you this morning. So the word anointing, the word anointed actually came from a shepherding term. Has anybody ever raised sheep before or actually had a sheep? Anybody? I would, anybody? Goats? Oh, we have somebody. Oh, wow. Any, any goats? Anybody's ever raised any goats? Chickens? Pigs? Kids? Okay. Amen. Amen. But there's a book that I loved, and a man was teaching leadership principles, and he said, let's go, and I've got to inspect every one of my sheep. And he says, why? He says, because it's about to happen for the bugs to come out. And he says, you've got to be careful with sheep because these bugs will get in the sheep's ears and these flies will actually get up in the sheep's nose. And do you know that these flies will get in the sheep's nose and they will lay eggs inside the sheep's nose. And those eggs will form flies that will crawl up to a sheep's brain. And do you know a sheep can go crazy because of the buzzing in their head? Do you know there's been sheep? that have ran off of a cliff that looked like everything was good, but inside their brain there was a buzzing going on. See, that's where the anointing of a shepherd came in. The anointing of a shepherd, a shepherd would get oil, and he would pour it on top of the sheep's head and smear it over its ears and smear it over its nose because when the gnats and the flies and the pestilence would come, they would slide right off. But a, she but a shepherd had to know his sheep and get along with them all the time. Because that anointing would only last for so long. 
And the sheep would begin to see that he had to go close to the shepherd because if you didn't want that buzzing in your ears, you needed to go by the shepherd. If you didn't want those bugs crawling in your brain, causing weird thoughts and making you want to run off cliffs, you had to go by the shepherd because that anointing oil would only last for so long. Because the shepherd would anoint his sheep to protect them, not just from the, 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 the fowls and the fiends on the outside of the fence, but the little things that nobody noticed unless you were close enough to the sheep. I'm here to tell you that when you get saved, you are anointed in the blood of Christ and the Holy Spirit to be able to soothe over your ears and to be able to go over your mind so that unruly thoughts won't creep in and be able to speak depression in your mind. So that those thoughts won't come in and be able to speak doubt and worry and hate and fear. See, the Holy Spirit will come in when those gnats will try to come into your brain. See, the shepherd knows that your thought process typically shows your life process on how much life you are operating in. See, I want to tell you that some of you are thinking unruly thoughts and thinking hateful thoughts and, and, and you're thinking unforgiveness because you haven't let the shepherd anoint your head in a while. You haven't let the shepherd pour his anointing, anointing oil over your head in a while. And the gnats have been making home in your head. And you've been getting angry and frustrated and bitter and worry. And he says, I'm here to tell you, it's not always the big things across the fence with big teeth. It's the little things that buzz in our ears that we allow to sit there to change the way that we think. I wasn't planning on preaching like this this morning. But I've been seeing people destroyed by destructive thoughts. And the shepherd says, you don't have anointing dripping on top of you. You don't have my protection over your brain, son. And you're being ruined by hateful thoughts because you got to get close enough to the shepherd. You can be in the fence and still have destructive things going on in your brain. You can be in the fence and still have hatefulness going on in your head. You can be in the fence. And see anointing. When he would pour the anointing oil on top of the head. It would protect the mind. It would protect the little things that would come in. And want to cause issues. And the second thing of anointing. If you've ever read the Old Testament. You would see. That anointing. To be anointed was for a special purpose. A king. A prophet. A builder. David was anointed king. Jehu was anointed king. Prophets were anointed prophets. There was, there was such a power in the power of anointing when they would pour this oil on top and they would anoint them. Let me give you a definition. Woo! I need to calm down. I've already hit my head once. You saw me jump and hit my head, right? Yeah, someone says, I saw you in the back. Anointing. Follow me. An empowerment on an individual or a group to release heaven's dimension on earth. To make a people ready for a presence. Hey, y'all. Hey, you guys at the gate? Hey, I love you guys. Someone get them at the gate. We need to be paying attention. This is for their lives as well. I'm going to say this again real fast. Someone go talk to them, please. 
an empowerment on an individual or a group of individuals to release heaven's dimensions on earth to make people ready for a presence. We are screaming, Father, when are you sending Jesus? When are you coming to split the sky? But we forget that the Bible says he's coming back for a pure and spotless bride. He already had a prophet marry a whore in the Old Testament. He doesn't want to do it again in the New Testament. He wants a pure and spotless bride. And it is our job upon the anointing upon our life to prepare the way of Jesus who is coming back. So I would tell you, don't be so heavenly minded that you do no earthly good. Because sometimes we're screaming, Jesus come back. And we haven't been effective in the realm that he has placed us with the anointing upon our lives. You have an anointing upon your life to prepare the way for the king. And if you don't know an anointing upon your head to keep away destructive thoughts, an anointing upon your life that sends you to a purpose, you will read scriptures like we're about to read and you'll miss the point. So I want you to go to 1 John chapter 2, 18 through 27. I want you to go to 1 John chapter 2. Careful, it's a smaller book. It's easier to pass. 1 John chapter 2, 18 through 27. This is a key scripture for this hour. This is a key scripture for the day that we are living in. First John chapter 2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour. Would you agree that it's the last? Or you feel like, I mean, your spirit is telling you it is the last hour. And you have heard that the Antichrist is coming even now. Many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Listen to this real quick. This is huge. Verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Quick point. Stop being so upset when you think people that followed Christ dip on following Christ. Because it may have been they never were following Christ in the first place. It's got to be important that if we want a clear picture of Jesus, that people really ain't living it. That people don't want to follow Christ. That I, I'm, I'm not going to beg you to come to the family of Christ. My Jesus did too much. This is not a charity where I have to beg you to take my Christ. I'm telling you, he's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm not going to beg people to come back to church. I'm not going to beg people to follow back to Jesus. You're either with Jesus or you're not with Jesus. There's no halfway. There's no maybe. And we've got to stop apologizing so much for people when they don't live it. Let them be away from it. Go away. Because if you don't want to live it, you're making my Jesus look bad. You're making my Jesus look fake. Stop being so upset if they walk away. It says here, they probably were never with you in the first place. 
Don't be surprised when a politician uses Jesus to get elected, but then after he's elected or after she's elected, you can't see Jesus' qualities in their life. People will use Jesus as a tool because they don't know who he really is. Don't be afraid when they walk away. Jesus will just be made more clear. I promise I wasn't prepared to preach like this. This is ridiculous. I'm out in the dust, too. Thank you, Sahara. Let's keep reading. But you have what and what? An anointing. You have a what? An anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the, the Son has the Father also. Verse 24. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. Some people are being deceived because the enemy is using Facebook posts and political analysts and people that can talk smooth and they're letting little worms get into your ear and deceive your mind and you're not letting the anointing pour over and check everything with the word. We need to stop using the word as a punctuation at the end of a political statement and view every political statement through the word. View every job through the word. Through every relationship through the word the word is not a sprinkle on top the word is the foundation on which we build on we will never be able to build on anything that's sprinkled on top the word is a lamp into my feet is a light into my path i will hide its words in my heart that i might not sin against god and you will hear many words that sound sort of true the enemy only tells a lie when it's halfway the truth the enemy will only lie to you when it's halfway the truth. Woo! Verse 26, these things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you with the anointing, the oil on your head, which you have received from him, abides in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but the same anointing teaches concerning all things, and it is true, it is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, and you will abide in him. So, two types of anointing. The anointing of protection that pours over your head, that protects your mind, that protects the little things that want to come and destroy you. But then also, the anointing of purpose. You have an anointing of purpose on your life. And I'm going to give you four stages of the anointing of purpose on your life. And it's important for you to know them because you will be able to recognize them in your life. But then you will also be able to recognize things outside of you. Are you ready for these four anointings? Four levels of anointing. And the first level of anointing is the anointing of influence. The ability to gather an influence. Very key part. You can operate in the anointing of influence and not serve 
Jesus. There is an anointing and the gifts of God that are upon you that God places upon you. You can operate. You wonder why some of these musicians have millions of people following them and they can pack crowds. It's because there's an anointing on their life together. They're just using it wrong. Some of us wonder how in the world some of these people that claim to be following Christ have so many people in their church because it's possible to operate in the influence of anointing and not be serving Jesus. Do not think that step one is the mark of approval from God. Do not be mistaken. Because this is a very destructive place to stop. This is a very destructive place to stop. The, you will see many of these. You will see people at your job rise in the ranks that don't follow Christ because they have an anointing of influence upon their life. You will see people in your life succeed and flourish and run, and this is because they have an anointing upon their life. When God created you, he put an anointing upon your life. And I can tell you this, many people stop at this level because the second level of anointing that I see is a surrender to calling and walking in relationship with him. Gifts and callings begin to form a clear direction. Then it's not only the fact I was anointed for a purpose. It's I begin to see the direction of that purpose. My anointing is to be a pastor in this city. Your anointing might be intercessor. Your anointing might be husband. Your anointing might be business owner. Your anointing might be man of God. Your anointing may be a sphere of influence that you have. But when you begin to surrender in a relationship with God, the anointing upon your life begins to have direction in your life. It's not just having the anointing. It's not just having gas in the car. It's now GPS pops up and shows me you need to start going this way. If you want to operate in the anointing on your life, stop asking to just be anointed and start asking what to do with the anointing once you get it. Start asking for your eyes to start waking up because what did I say? Your job is to prepare a place for the presence of God. Where is your realm of, uh, of influence to bring the presence of God where you are? At your job, at your family, at your work, at your police station, at your college, at your house, and your marriage. I don't care if you're a 90-year-old couple and it's just you. You have an anointing in your household to make a presence of the king. And the second level of anointing is direction. But a key word there is surrender. I cannot take the anointing of the king and then say I want to use it in this way and truly walk and make Jesus famous. See, this is the struggle, Lou, about anointing. So many people feel the rush of it and get prideful in it because they look good, they sound good, and they're effective where they are. And you become a spiritual tower of Babel that you look so good. And then don't be surprised when you can't speak the same language as the king. Direction and surrender is the second level of anointing. And I can tell you, Terrence, that few even go to this third step. See, the first one doesn't cost me anything because I can just be anointed. 
The second one takes surrender, which is hard because I have to say, Father, who Terrence, I'm going to go there. I may be moving up in the, in the company. Oh, but God may have something else for me. I may be moving up in this relationship and everybody loves it, but she may not be the one for me. I may be moving up in my education. I may be moving up in my job. I may be moving up in my influence. But is it surrendered to the direction of the king? Number three, number three is this, and this one's hard, and it's to pay the price to be distinctive on the earth, distinctive, and that's what sanctification is. So often, we just want God to use our brokenness and our nastiness and our, and our destructiveness. And we want to operate in our anointing. But there comes a level to where you have to begin to be dead to your old self. And to begin to let God sanctify you and break things off of you that you may not even think that are bad. Your parents could have cussed and it was a way you spoke. But the Bible says, let not a foul word come out of my mouth. I thank you that your family may joke dirty and we say all kinds of nasty jokes but the bible says i will walk into my house with a blameless heart i will set my eyes before no vile thing i don't care if everybody's wearing that you're a daughter of the king i don't care if everybody's wearing that your eyes were bought with a price you need to walk out sanctification to look more like jesus there's an anointing upon your life but if we think the anointing, Lou, is to make us famous, then we will become an idol to ourselves. We will become an idol to ourselves. The anointing upon my life to look different, the anointing upon my life will truly begin to foster greatness when I allow him to sanctify me and break me down for who I think I used to be and need to be. Amen? Hmm. And the last one is this. Follow me. Anointing of the Spirit without measure. See, in John 3, 30 through 34, John the Baptist is talking to Jesus. And he must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. But he who comes from heaven is above all. That he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He has received his testimony and has certified God is true. Verse 34, for he whom God has sent speaks the word of God, for God does not give the spirit by measure. Jesus operated in a level of anointing and spirit without measure. But we cannot expect to see the dead raised if we're not allowed to let the dead in us die. We're not allowed to see those great things and operate in the anointings of a God unless we're going to allow him to sanctify us. Unless he's going to be able to clear us. We can't go one to step one to step four. So often what we do, Lou, is we go step one to step four. Oh, I'm anointed. Let me go pray over the sick. 
And I'm not saying you can't. What I'm saying is this. We need to be loved and loved just as much as our prayer closet as we are on the things that look good on Facebook. I need to be in love with seeking God in the secret time just as much as I love preaching. I need to be in love with holiness just as as much as I love speaking the word. Lou, it's easy to tell someone they're anointed and say you have an anointing on your life. It's hard to challenge them to follow the path it takes to operate in that power. The world right now wants to fall in love with a Jesus that comes without cost, but comes with full anointing. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus said, greater things than this shall you do. Why do we always think it's the good stuff? What if it means a new level of sacrifice? What if it means means a new level of dedication? What if it means a new level of anointing? Greater things than this shall you do. I dream to look like Jesus, but I need to be sanctified the way Jesus walked out a sanctified life. You are anointed for a purpose. You are anointed for a plan. You are placed here on purpose, for purpose, by a purpose. But he has a purpose in making you look more like Jesus. Because I don't want them to be confused that I'm the one that's the main goal. So that when they stand before Jesus, they say, wait, you don't look like Chris. uh, Follow me if I follow Christ. But if the highest echelon is to be on the same level as Pastor Chris, I failed you. I'm just someone running after the king. I'm just someone that wants to run after Jesus. I'm someone that wants to operate under anointing. I'm someone that when I die, I want my bones to still speak about Jesus when I'm gone. I want my mantle to still speak about Jesus when I'm gone. I want my reputation to still speak about Jesus when I'm gone. I want my children to still speak about Jesus when I'm gone. The answer to this world is not another amazing service. The answer to this world is not another inspiring sermon. The answer to this world is the body of Christ walking out in the anointing they were called to walk in. He could have done it through anything, but he chose to walk it through you. He chose to walk it through you. He could have done it anyway, but he chose to walk it through you. See, when I was a kid, I loved the fact they used to tell me, oh, Chris, is an anointing on, on your life. And I said, thank you. But the older I get, I realize that some of them may not have known the weight of what they were telling me. Be careful for people that shout about the stage that your anointing will get you there, but not walk with you to make sure that your character will keep you there. Be careful. Because here's the thing, it's a lot more about me not making Jesus look foolish when I get to a bigger stage. I need to make sure that it's not just about the promises that he's kept me. It's not about the dreams that I have. It's so that I can carry it when I get there. Lou, it wasn't just about me being pastor. It was so that I didn't cause all these people to fall when we get here. You have an anointing upon your life. 
You have an anointing upon your life. And I do understand the weight of which I'm talking about right now. If you're watching online, you have an anointing upon your life. Children, you have an anointing upon your life. And I want to reference this before I go. My watch doesn't even work right now. I, I haven't even changed the battery on it. That's my fault. What time is it? Okay. Children, I need you to look at me real fast. And if you're a kid out here, I've seen a lot of kids that are scared and nervous of everything that's going on. And they don't know what to think. They, they, they don't know what to think. And I want to tell you, children, that Jesus said, Lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. And what the enemy is trying to do is trying to get you in fear so you don't walk in the anointing. Because I'm telling you, I'm not looking for another David in the group. David already walked out his anointing. I'm looking for another uh, Presley. I'm looking for another Josiah. I'm looking for another Elijah. I'm looking for another son that you have out here. I'm looking for a Liam. I'm looking for a Jorge. I'm I'm looking for a Justin. I'm looking for your children. I'm looking for a Severin. I'm looking for young children that will say, man, I'm going to carry Jesus farther than my parents could. I'm going to build upon the ceiling that they set. You have an anointing on your life. The enemy is wanting to steal your future because he's afraid of the anointing you walk with. You have an anointing upon your life. You have an anointing. Upon your life. You have an anointing to tear down strongholds. You have an anointing to speak to dry bones that they would live. You have an anointing to see the see, the, hicks, the, the healed, the, the sick healed. You have the anointing to see the blind recover. You have the anointing to tell addiction to leave. You have an anointing to walk in it. But I cannot tell you about that anointing unless I tell you the cost, what it takes to walk under that anointing. But it's worth it. Lou being married is one of the highest costs other than salvation that I've ever had to walk along with being a parent, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Walking out the anointing upon my life has not been easy and it's been hard, but it's been worth it because I get to see lives changed. I get to see people healed. I get to see relationships restored. And that means that I've got to be willing to lay aside the old me so that I can look more like Jesus. Some of you go, Pastor Chris, I've been fighting lately. My old self, I've been fighting. I've been seeing the stuff, and it's been bringing stuff out of me, whether it be the riots and the protests or the political arguments or corona. I'm telling you this. There's an anointing on your life to bring change, and the enemy wants to get you distracted because he knows it's going to go through you. He's going to walk it through you. So I'm going to pray over the anointing on your life. I'm going to pray over the purpose on your life. So some things I'll just remind you as we finish. On the first anointing of protection that's placed over. When is the last time you got into the presence of God and allow him to anoint your head with oil to renew your mind? When is the last time you got into the presence of God and let him anoint your thoughts and anoint your ideas and anoint your imagination and anoint the way you talk and anoint the things going on in your head? You need to get around the shepherd to be anointed. Because you know what happens? 
Jordan, you want to know one of the first tactics of the enemy when he begins to plant these seeds in your brain is to separate you from the shepherd because he knows he's the one that carries the oil. This is not a time to wait till Sunday to get in the presence of God. This is a time to put your phone away and lay in your living room at 2.30 in the morning and say, Father, if I get tomorrow, work in me. This is not a time for us to just hope things get better. This is a time for us that in the midst of a storm that we're in, saying, Father, fix the storm, that's my flesh. Anoint my head. Anoint my head, anoint my fears. Cause them to die, my hate, my worries. And last is the anointing upon your life. And I'm going to read you the four steps again. The first step of anointing is the anointing of influence. The enemy will try to tell you that you've made it when you're influencing others, not knowing it's the first step. The second is surrender to the calling upon your life. Third is to pay the price to be distinctive in the earth, and that's through sanctification. And last is to walk in the anointing that comes without measure the way Jesus operated it. I don't know about you, but I feel the Holy Spirit out in this parking lot. I feel the presence of God in this parking lot. Oh, thank you, Father. Because what did I say in the beginning? An empowerment on an individual or a group of individuals to release heaven's dimension on earth. To make people ready for a presence. Your anointing is supposed to make a place ready for the presence of God. I don't want the next generation to just hear stories about the glory of God. I want them to experience the glory of God. I don't want the next generation to just eat off of store his revival. I want them to experience revival. Father, I pray right now that you anoint our heads with oil. And I thank you, Father, it says in your word that you would make us lie down in green pastures because many of us don't know how to operate that way. Thank you, you're a good shepherd that makes us lie down in green pastures. And I pray that you would anoint our head with oil for peace that passes understanding, for joy that comes in the morning, for hope, for healing. Anoint our heads with oil, Father. And next, Father, teach us what it is to actually walk in the anointing that you've placed upon our lives. And Father, it's going to take some dying to flesh. It's going to take some dying some ideas. It's going to take some dying to misconceptions. But teach us what it is to surrender to the calling so that the influence makes, makes sense. Teach us what it is to walk in sanctification that we would look less like us and more like you so that we can walk in the unlimited power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing. And Father, let our bones 
and our mantles preach louder than our lungs will. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to get in your presence in a parking lot. <laughs> I thank you, Father, the answer is not another sermon. It's your presence. That releases such a weight on us. And I pray that, Father, that though we may be in cars, that the anointing of God would rest and the presence of God would rest in these cars. <laughs> and Father, I thank you for the people that this may be brand new for them, that you being a good shepherd, lead them at the speed of trust. And we thank you, Father. <laughs> thank you that we're not alone, we're not alone, we're not alone. I thank you that you've never left us nor forsaked us. I thank you for the purpose and the power that you've placed in our lives. I thank you that you're such a good shepherd. And I thank you for every child that's listening, that has been struggling with fear for what's coming. And I thank you, Father, you would begin to give them dreams and you would begin to wake them up with power. And let them see that there's destiny upon their life. And anoint their head with oil. And Father, it doesn't matter that I've got to self-quarantine for two weeks. And we've got to meet in this parking lot again next week. You're not held back by whether we're in a building or not. funniest part about these sermons is you don't really know how to finish them, you know. There's not really a, a point to make. But I just pray the Lord will bless you and keep you. And His face would shine upon you. Oh. It feels so good to serve a good God. It feels so good to serve a good shepherd hallelujah so father as we leave this parking lot teach us what it is to walk in the anointing teach us what it is to get by the shepherd to let him anoint our heads with oil for we were placed on the earth for such a time as this <laughs> And Lord, I thank you that you would restore my voice so I can preach next week. In the name of Jesus, amen. I love you guys. You have a blessed week.